Well, guess what tomorrow is? You know what? Here's the problem. If tomorrow was Mother's Day, everyone would have gone, Mother's Day! But tomorrow's... There you go. Tomorrow's Father's Day. And it's my hope uh, that this sermon this morning will encourage all of us dads for Father's Day, which is tomorrow. And believe me, dads need positive reinforcement on Father's Day. And it's my hope that this, these words will encourage the dads here to be all that they can be in their Messiah. And you know what? It's good to be a man, isn't it, men? Ah! Men, 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 men. Why, I hear all you women asking. Well, let me give you some reasons why it's good to be a man. You ready? Phone conversations are over in 30 seconds flat. (laughs) A five-day holiday only requires one suitcase. I'm living through that one right now. Michael Bolden doesn't live in your universe. (laughs) Car mechanics tell you the truth, hopefully. You can admire Clint Eastwood without starving yourself to look like him. Oh, these are deep. You got to think about them. All right, ready? Gray hair and wrinkles only add character to men. <laughs> if another guy shows up at the party in the same outfit, you just might become lifelong buddies. <laughs> and the occasional well-wendered belch is practically expected. That's why it's good to be a man. But do you know what day of the year the most phone calls are made on? Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, everyone wants to call home and talk to mom. Guess what happens on Father's Day? The most collect calls are made. (laughs) But that's okay. Dads like to be needed. It's all good. By the way, what goes around comes around. Just wait till we're in the retirement home calling you collect all the time, all you kids out there. You see, Father's Day just doesn't seem to have a very high priority compared to other holidays, does it? I went to Giant Food the other day to get a money order. When I got to the counter, I tried to be nice because that's what I try to be. I read somewhere that the people that are most happy are the people who greet everybody they meet. And so I try to greet everybody I meet. So I asked the lady there, so are you ready for Father's Day? She gave me this sideways glance and said, sure, I guess. I had a laugh when I left because it was obvious that she didn't consider Father's Day to be a very big deal. And to be honest with you, most people don't. In contrast, Mother's Day is a huge deal. Forget Mother's Day and you'll be in the doghouse till Father's Day. In that case, it's more like Independence Day. Mothers are highly esteemed on Mother's Day. As a young boy growing up, I remember every Mother's Day was a salute to mothers. But on Father's Day, it was a cookout maybe and a card on the counter in the morning. So today, dads, 
This one's for us. Ah, right. And I'm here to tell you that fathers hold a very special place in society. A much higher place than they're given credit for. For instance, how many of you have seen a commercial that actually makes dads look intelligent lately? Most commercials cast fathers as the family idiot who can't figure out how to take care of the kids alone, how to run a load of laundry, or clean the toilets without specific instructions from mom. American society and current TV shows seem to see fathers as expendable parts of the family unit, as nothing more than sperm donors and deadbeats. And in courtrooms... Divorced dads hardly have a fighting chance of obtaining custody of their kids or even be allowed to be a significant part of their children's lives, much less have the opportunity to be the spiritual leader of their household. Sadly, many men today also neglect to see the importance as their role as a father themselves. And I think that's why the term, or where rather, the term deadbeat dad was originally coined. As a result, their kids are growing up in an unbalanced and dysfunctional household. In fact, some 40% of the children in America are going to bed every night without their biological father in the home. And fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God intended for them. In fact, what I've seen is very strong evidence that points to the fact that the reason American morality and spiritual integrity is at such an all-time low is because of the declining value placed on the role of the father in today's society. And when dads are undervalued, so is a right relationship with our Father in heaven, our Abba who sits on the throne. And so today, my goal is not to remind us dads of our duties and responsibilities so much as to encourage us, to remind us of our importance, to remind us of the respect and the dignity of the role of a father. Fathers play an important, extremely important, and vital role in our families and in our nations today. In the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, the Bible introduces a hierarchical model of authority in the family. I'm quoting from Colossians 3, 18 to 20. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so in terms of authority... The father is deemed the head of his household. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he is urged to manage his children and his household in a respectable manner. In this regard, and in this way, and in this understanding, the father is charged with the responsibility of looking after the best interests of his family, financially, spiritually, socially, and in every other way possible. But when a man becomes a father, he isn't given some sort of rule book on how to conduct himself. 
Of course, that wouldn't make much difference anyway, because us dads as men, we don't read the instructions anyway. You see, no one tells a man how to manage his household. It is something he picks up from a few very important sources. First, from the way his own father treated him, how he grew up as a child and interacted with his dad. And second, from what he learns from his relationship with God and the Word of God. Hopefully, we can remember the the sense of strength and protection our fathers exuded, always looking after their families. And while they never had the same tenderness that moms had, they showed their love equally as, and as powerfully to us kids. People so often have the perception that dads don't love their kids as much as mothers because they aren't as emotional or as endearing. But fathers have the capacity to love just as much as any other spiritual being. It's just expressed in different ways. Instead of a tender hug, it was a strong bear hug. If you want an example of that, you can see Dana after services. But it always felt good to be loved by our dads. Dads are just designed by God to express their love in different ways. They express their love when they guard their family. They express their love when they provide good things to their wife and their kids. I read this account of a dad as I prepared this message, quote, When I was 10 years old, my dad and I made a Pinewood Derby car, and we made it to the state competitions. He took time off to get me to that competition. That sacrifice was an expression of his fatherly love. He was there on the days he made me come out, come along to cut and haul cords of wood. As a child... Hauling a cord of wood seemed like a daunting task, but it taught me discipline and developed character in me. So good men learn how to be good dads from healthy father-son relationships. That's the way it's supposed to be. But since almost 40% of kids grow up without a dad at home, and since many dads at home might as well be absent, We know that there has to be another source of example for the developing dad, and that's the example we have in Yeshua, our Messiah. The best dads take their example from him and pass the legacy of the Lord on to their family. The legacy of Messiah's love is the greatest gift that a father can give his children. And to be like Yeshua in the way we manage our household is the greatest expression of love a dad can give to his family. When Peter asked the Lord how they were going to pay their taxes, Yeshua told him to take a coin from the fish's mouth. And in a way, this teaches us that our Father God is a God of provision. A God of provision. When he fed the multitude with a few loaves of bread and a few fish, he provided the example of a father who provides all the needs of his family, and he commands dads today to do the same. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
Sometimes we need to let the word of God sink in. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In the same way, dads have the awesome responsibility of providing for their family. Unfortunately, our egos are wrapped up in our employment for most of us. We get ashamed if we're unemployed, and the brunt of the responsibility to provide for the welfare of a family unit rests on the shoulder of the husband. That's the way it should be. Dads are always striving to maintain a balance, a balance of providing for their family and yet spending quality time with their family. Well, Scripture teaches us that there has to be a balance in our lives. Because men are hardwired with the desire to provide for their family and make a good home for their children. Because of that, there's a constant struggle, a conflict in our lives to maintain a balance between the giving of our time and the giving of our things. And because of this, a man has to constantly look to God, both for direction and example, on how to manage his family and his household. And God's example is that he always provides for his children, but he never replaces the value of spending quality time with his children by giving them things to keep them busy. And so while the provision is there in abundance, our Father God always places the greater emphasis on the time that we spend together with him. Even though my dad was mostly spiritually and emotionally absent in my life, I still remember going to baseball games with him at old Griffith Stadium. Those are good memories. Those were wonderful times spent with my father. A father's duty to provide for his family shouldn't overshadow, though, the importance of spending quality time with them either. A father expresses his love also through discipline. When Yeshua rebuked Peter, saying, Satan, get behind me, he portrayed the power of love through the act of discipline, not wanting Peter to be lost in the old way of thinking. Discipline is difficult. And it's often received by our children as a bad thing, but it is a primary fruit of fatherly love. A dad has to discipline if he loves his children. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplined those he loves as the father, the son he delights in. A dad has to discipline because he wants the best for his children. The discipline of a father sets the whole course of his family's lives on fire. Children raised in the discipline of a strong yet loving father have greater discipline as adults. And guess what? Disciplined adults make greater contributions to the world we live in. A young man was making poor grades in school, particularly in math. His parents tried various things, none of which seemed to produce the desired improvement. Finally, they decided to enroll him in a private school. At the end of the first grading period, the young man came home and proudly presented his report card to his parents. And they were shocked 
to find that all of his grades had improved significantly, but most notably, he received his first ever A in math. Well, his parents were overjoyed, but they began to question him to determine what it was that had finally produced this amazing improvement that they had sought all along. Well, it was the non-traditional teaching methods in the private, was it the non-traditional teaching methods in the private school? No, he answered. Was it the smaller class sizes and more individual attention? No, he said. Well, what was it then that caused such a big turnaround, they asked. Well, the son replied, when I walked into that school on the first day, and the first thing I saw was that man nailed to that big plus sign, I knew I'd better take math seriously here. Discipline is the act of a father urging his kids to live the right way for the development and growth of his family. Do you all remember the movie, Remember the Titans? Everybody remember that movie? The coach pushed those students to the brink of their abilities. Some of them accused him of trying to ruin them and break their spirits. But by pushing them, he made them stronger. It prepared them for a difficult, difficult season of football, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And in the end, they went undefeated and won the championship because of their discipline and belief in each other. If he hadn't pushed them, they would never have pushed themselves. And in the same way, a family is made by a father's discipline. And so like a coach that pushes his players, the father disciplines and urges his children to make them stronger. Dads also express love through protection. A dad places himself in the way of trouble to protect his family. Yeshua applied the example of the greatest love possible when he laid down his life to save us, his people. In the same way, a father is charged with the duty of laying down his life, his desires, his personal interests, for the sake of his family. I know my own father didn't work in a clothing sales position all his life because he wanted to, but he did it because he provided for our family. He never had the luxury to choose the career field he wanted to work in. He used his hard-earned money to help me through college so that I could. He put my interest before his own. Dad's dear ones are the first line of defense for their family and are often the first area where Satan attacks because the enemy knows that if you can take the leader out, his subjects are soon to follow. But the primary gift and expression of love from a father is the legacy of salvation. The great legacy a dad leaves behind is the gift of salvation through Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. It's true. When a parent dies, their children expect to receive an inheritance. And sometimes that inheritance involves riches. Sometimes it doesn't. But there is no greater inheritance than the legacy of a father, of a, of a father who leaves eternal salvation as an inheritance. Ephesians 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. A dad who loves his family will do his utmost best to lead them in the way of the Lord. 
1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. You know how we exhorted, comforted, and charged every one of you as a father deals with his own children to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And Mark eight thirty six, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Dads are extremely important in our lives. We're charged with the duties of protecting, providing, and interceding for the sake of our families. We have the power to shape our families and our societies by the way we live every day. We are the first line of defense for our families, and we're commissioned by God to deliver the good news of the gospel message to our family, not just with words, but in the very way that we live every day of our lives. Not just by the way we worship, and not just by the way we pray on Shabbat, but by the way we worship and praise and pray every day of our lives. Now, if you are a dad, I want you to raise your hand because we have a little something for you. Dana, can you hand these out and give one to yourself, please? I got one. Just as we did on Mother's Day, we want to recognize all the dads here. And this reads, in celebration of Father's Day and the gift of life, a loving donation has been made in your honor to Ba'ad Chaim, pro-life Israel, by Son of David Congregation. Deuteronomy 30:19b. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Raise your hand high if you're a dad. We want to give this to you. Yeah, and if your wife's pregnant and the baby's in the womb, you're already a dad. Now, as I close, I just want to read a few precious dad moments, if you will. One night, a wife found her husband standing over their newborn baby's crib. Silently, she watched him. As he stood looking down at the sleeping infant, she saw on his face a mixture of emotions. Disbelief, doubt, delight, amazement, enchantment, skepticism. He would stand back, shake his head and say, amazing, while smiling from ear to ear. Touched by his unusual display and the deep emotions it aroused, her eyes glistened as she slipped her arms around him. A penny for your thoughts, she whispered in his ear. Isn't it amazing, he replied. When you take the time and really look close, How can anyone make a crib like that for only (laughs) $45.99? I don't know about you, but I like these. Okay. Precious dad moment number two. As corned beef sandwiches go, it was perfection. A thick slice of beef, fresh rye bread, and plenty of expensive, light brown gourmet mustard. The corners of my jaw were aching in anticipation. I carried it to the picnic table in our backyard, picked it up with both hands, but was stopped by my wife suddenly at my side. Honey, Johnny, 
That's the six-year-old son. Hold Johnny while I get my sandwich, she said. I had him balanced between my left elbow and shoulder and was reaching again for the sandwich when I noticed a streak of mustard on my fingers. I love mustard, and I had no napkin, so I licked it off. It was not mustard. No man ever put a baby down faster. It was the first and only time I have sprinted with my tongue protruding. With a washcloth in each hand, I did the sort of routine shoeshine guys do, only I did it on my tongue. Later, my wife said, now you know why they call that mustard Poupon. How's that for the close to a message on Shabbat morning? <laughs> Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father and our King in Heaven. What better example do we have but you, Abba Father? While you are perfect and we are not, still we can distinguish ourselves We can set ourselves apart as different because of the gift you gave, the son who obeyed your commandment, and the faith that we have to believe. Father, the eternal life that we have through Yeshua the Messiah is just not something to have. It's something to live out. I'm reminded that when our Messiah Yeshua was in the temple grounds on Sukkot, on the Feast of Tabernacles, on the last great day of the feast, as they were most probably celebrating the water libation ceremony. He stood up, he yelled out in a loud voice, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And unfortunately, Lord, that's where we stop. But the rest of the verse reads, for out of him will flow rivers of living water. Father, make us dads who drink up your water so that it can flow out of us to our wives, to our children, to our community, and to whoever you bring across our paths. With great responsibility also comes great joy. May we be joyous in you that you created us as fathers. And we pray to you, Abba Father, in the name of your son, Yeshua. And let us all say together, Amen.